Little did I know, I would be back talking mindlessly. Something that's been on my mind lately is grief. And I know that can sound heavy. I'm not going to talk about... I'm not going to talk about, you know, the passing or anything of of anybody, uh, the the tragic death of anybody. Um, I'm, I'm more so mean just grief in a very introspective sense and you gotta forgive me here a little bit because I do want to explore a very self introspective kind of process of grief and how I think about grief a lot unfortunately uh, well two things unfortunately for you this podcast is very navel gazing in that I'm it's very self-serving for me I feel like I feel like this podcast is very selfish and that I get to just talk about whatever is on my mind I get to talk about whatever I want to talk about and nobody's here to interrupt this is a very one-sided conversation and I, I very much acknowledge that but something that is unfortunate for me too is just that Unfortunately, I've had a lot of experience with grief. Not as much as other people, but maybe more so than others. And as I've already stated, when people think grief, they think funeral. They think they think about the people they love. They think about how they can't imagine losing them by any means. They think about their pets. I'm not talking about family. Uh, I'm I'm doing something a little bit more introspective than that, and I'm thinking about my old self. And before I go further, I just want to say I know a lot of people that's going to strike the wrong way. I think they're going to think, oh, my God, how egotistical could you possibly be? You're going to think about yourself over and over and over again. I get that. But my experiences have been very specific. I think for a lot of people, their lives can be... very linear. Maybe they have a few like rebellious years or weird phases throughout their late adolescence and early adulthood. But I've had a very peculiar path to where I am now. I've talked about this before, but a lot has happened since I last talked about it. There are new people in my life who may not know. There are people who are listening to this maybe who have just never heard of me before. So here I go. And I'm very nervous about this, to be honest. I'm stalling. Can you tell I'm nervous I am? Um, In 2015, uh, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. For those who don't know, ulcerative colitis is a very uh, harsh digestive disease. It attacks a person's colon, large intestine. It's very, very heartbreaking and painful for those who go through it. I remember being, you know, it it wasn't all of a sudden either. It wasn't like, you know, people all of a sudden have heart problems. They they drop with chest with chest pain to the floor, you know. This was very gradual. I started noticing different things. I started having to go to the bathroom more. I won't be too graphic about any of this just so everybody knows, but I started having to go to the bathroom more. It started to become painful. I started to feel like I had a stomach ache all the time. It it was like I had 
the worst case of food poisoning and the worst stomach aches I've ever had all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden I realized, I'm hold on, I'm, I'm sneaking away from the family dinner table to go to the bathroom. Hopefully, and, and I know when I go back, they're going to ask me if I'm okay. I know when I go back, they're going to ask what's going on because it's the third time I've gotten up from the dinner table. Or it's a, and that's how I knew I was really in trouble. I mean, I was just hiding it. I was hiding away from it. Uh, my family and I had gone on a trip to Boston. We went with my brother, my brother-in-law, and my dad, and and I hid it the whole time. I, I didn't tell them that I was in the bathroom panicking, you know, upwards of at least 10 times a day, at least. And because we were traveling and I was nervous about it, more, even more so, it was terrible. As somebody who has gone through middle school and high school with not the greatest social experiences, I still am insecure. I'm still, and, and I've gotten better I, for, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I'd like to think I don't care what people think about me. And I don't, for the most part. In a lot of ways, I've changed, even over the past two years. I mean, it's just, over the past year even, it's just been a world of difference. I just don't care as much anymore. I don't know. I just don't. But there's still some of that in there. And one of the reasons I'm scared to talk about all this is, for that reason, is people in my personal life who may not know all this listening to it. And I'm not even sure why I'm scared of that. (laughs) I'm scared that it's somehow going to affect my social gatherings, that it's going to be the first thing on their mind when they think about me or when they think about, I don't know, whether or not they can be friends with me or something. I don't know. It's really that neurotic and stupid in my head, but but I, I think about this stuff. But my hope in talking about it and why I'm choosing to you know, go against my intuition and, and, and uh, my gut feelings about this, about it being a bad idea, is because there's a lot of people out there who are brave, who are, to- or who are telling their story, who are choosing to not hide anymore and be shoved into a box and into a corner and not let their story be told and let it dictate them. And I don't want it to dictate me anymore. I don't know. I, I My hope is that someone out there who is also struggling with this because nobody talks about it. A lot of people, yes, are being brave and talking about their story and everything. But, but a lot of people aren't. And a lot of people are out there suffering and are leaving the dinner table for the second time in a row and are scared to go back because they know their family is going to ask them what's wrong and they don't want to go to the doctor because they know something's really wrong and while it makes sense to yes go to the doctor when something's seriously wrong they're scared to because they don't know what's happening all of a sudden they have this stomach ache that just shows up and it's the worst stomach ache they've ever had and they have to like be running to the bathroom it's terrible It's absolutely terrible. And there's a lot of people out there who are hiding, who are afraid, and who may have never heard my story, but hearing it may help them. It may help you. 
And if you are listening and you're hiding and you aren't getting treatment or you are getting treatment and you're afraid to just, you know, be open about it, I hope that you'll allow me to be open for you until you're ready to be. And I hope that it helps you. Because, believe me, I didn't think I'd be sitting here right now. <laughs> uh, and I am. So, um, it's, it's the only reason I'm okay talking about it is because I feel like there are kids out there who need me to. And adults. Ad I mean, adults, you know, people age 50 and above get diagnosed with this too. So, anyway. Let me, uh, let me get back on track here. Sorry. So, I decided to finally get medical attention. That was, at that time, the worst medical experience I had had. You know, I had gone to the ER. I had explained, look, I have... I have blood coming out of me at this point. I, I, I'm, I'm, my stomach hurts so bad. I'm keeled over in the hospital bed. I'm in Olean, New York, which for anybody who uh, is listening to this, you are most likely not from Olean. You are most likely not familiar with the southern tier uh, of western New York. Uh, you might not even be in America. Olean, New York is a very, very small town. And because of that, they have a very small hospital. Now, it's big in the sense that it serves the region. It's the biggest hospital for, you know, close to 30, 40 miles of uh, where I lived at the time, Salamanca. So it was the place to go to for any kind of urgent medical attention. And so that's where I went. And it was a miser miserable, you know, three or four, five days. I can't even remember at this point. Uh, but I was like, you know, on the bathroom floor at one point, just yelling for nurses. It was terrible. My pain was so bad and I didn't know what was happening to me. And they were trying to take CAT scans and x-rays and try to figure it out. And ultimately they came back with ulcerative colitis. With a few bouts of medication and steroids, and I apologize if this sounds scripted, but I've literally told this story so many times, just even in therapy and talking with you know, very close family members and stuff that I've just told this story so many times um, that I've just, <laughs> I've committed it to memory, obviously, so. But after a few bouts of medication, you know, steroids and all the stuff and all these, all this medication I had to take just to sort of get my uh, digestive system back on track, I was, I was back on track. And for about six months, I was doing great. I was back to normal. I was eating everything I pretty much wanted to eat. Um, I had to take it easy for, for the most part, but then all of a sudden things changed. I kept taking my daily medication and then, but all of a sudden my symptoms were coming back and I was on the phone with my doctors and I said, I don't know. I think I'm having a flare up. I'm not sure what's going on. Don't really remember eating anything that is out of the ordinary. There shouldn't have been anything that I've eaten that is out of the ordinary. I was but I stuck to my safe foods. You know, everybody who has digestive issues or might be struggling with this knows that you have a few safe foods to rely on whenever you're having tr some trouble. So I went back to my safe foods for um, the next few days. They upped my medication. Nothing changed. In fact, it got worse. And then all of a sudden, I, I needed to go home. I said, Mom, I, I don't know that I can... Um, 
I'm going to make my way to your house because I, I, I think I'm going to end up having to go to the hospital. I don't know, but I, I'm scared and I, I'll be honest, I, I just want to sort of be home while I'm sick. I don't feel like being in my apartment alone. And I was just moving into this dorm at, at college at Buffalo State up here in Buffalo. And, and I just didn't want to be alone up here uh, while I was going through something and I could just tell something was wrong. And so I went home. I was there with my mom. She had gone to work the next day. I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I, you know, all I have to do is call the doctor and see what he wants me to do. And I'll try to, you know, stick through it. I understand you can't leave work, mom. That's fine. Go. And then all of a sudden I was on the phone with the doctor and he was telling me, yeah, you know, I'll be honest. I'm a little concerned. I think you need to go to the ER. And he said, I'll call, I'll call the ER and tell them you're coming so that you don't have to sit in the waiting room too long. Hopefully he said, can you get to the ER? And I said, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can, I'll figure it out. I can get there. And I drove. I, I, I got everything I would possibly need. I, th I thought, well, I can stop on the way to the hospital if something's really, really wrong. I can pull over. I can whatever. I, but I drove to the hospital. I parked my own car. Uh, I had gotten a call from my doctor on the way saying, you know, I had called the hospital. They know you're coming. I'm actually going to just have to admit you. Don't don't go to the ER. Go to the admission department. Just now, telling this story, I'm remembering for the first time a, f a few things that I, I haven't thought about in a long time. I remember sitting in the admissions department, filling out all this paperwork as best I could. I was in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort. I knew something was wrong. I was alone. I was scared. I let my mom know she had left work, uh, you know, for the emergency call there. She was on her way. I let my dad know he was on his way as well. But for that moment, I was alone. And I was filling out all this paperwork that I didn't even know what it meant. But all I knew is I signed some things and all of a sudden I was being taken back. Was asked to change into a hospital gown. And then I didn't see the outside of a hospital for a very long time after that. I was hospitalized for 58 days in the fall of 2015. It spanned three or four different hospitals. More doctors and nurses and surgeons than I can possibly count or ever remember. I wound up in Rochester and I had what ended up being a very urgent surgery to remove my entire colon. And that's the first time I've ever said that publicly. It was a long two months, to say the least. Like I said, I'll never remember the nurses, the doctors, the surgeons. It was very, very hard. And there was a lot that happened there in between and after and all that. I ended up having two surgeries over the next year, over the course of 2016, that friends, coworkers, colleagues, classmates, 
any regular stranger that I would see throughout that next year would never know about. I kept them fairly secret, as secret as I could. I had a lot of people very understanding of my situation and a lot of people who a lot of people who were more than generous and more than helpful. I am so lucky to have the support system that I had around me. Not everybody has that. My dad, specifically. Not everybody has a dad that did everything that my dad did for me that fall and the next year after. It's very difficult to tell people how close I was to just not being where I am now. There were a lot of close calls. There were a lot of things that could have gone sideways. Maybe I, if I hadn't transferred... Sorry, I don't know what just fell, but I heard a loud, like, spring or something. But had I had my surgery in Olean instead of Rochester, who's to say I would have made it out? And people think I'm exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. My surgery in Rochester, while it was successful, was no small feat. I talk to family now, and it was over like seven hours that I was just gone on the table under anesthesia. I don't know how to make sense of it and how it makes sense in my life, how it makes sense that it even happened and that it happened to me. I mean, I'm such a completely different person now, and so much has changed, and I'm, I'm thank God, so much healthier now that it's unrecognizable that it's hard for me to make sense that it even happened to me. Even though I remember it happening to me, I have dreams about it happening to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think that people who, and I'm just going to say it, I don't care how dramatic it sounds or whatever, but I think that people who have been close to death know exactly what I'm talking about. Know exactly how it feels to just say, Oh my God, how am I still here? Why am I still here? How lucky I am to still be here. How close I was to not. And however close I was. But like people who have only had those big traumatic experiences I've found have ever truly understand or, or, or have understood what I said and say when I say, when I talk about that, they go, I get it. They go, I, I, I get it. I've been there. And so when... But when I started this and I said I want to talk about grief but not in the traditional sense and the way you might be talking about or thinking about, I'm not thinking about a pet, I'm not thinking about a family member or someone close to me or my fiancé or anything like that. I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about grieving the life that I had before all that happened to me in 2015 and 16 and could have had had it not happened. And it's this weird duality of that same coin. It's that weird grief coin where I, I, I'm constantly grieving of my old self and, who, and how I was a completely different person. My entire life perspective and will to live was different before that happened to me. And it went through a, a terrible, traumatic transformation when it happened and derailed who I could have been what I could be doing right now, where I would be. And not in a good or bad way. Seriously. And and people say that they think I'm I'm not grateful for where I am now. No, I mean I I am. For all I know, my life could be 
terrible. For all I know, my life could have gone in a completely terrible other way. Maybe, maybe I should be somehow grateful for what happened to me because of where I am now. But I can't, my, my overthinking brain, my think fast, my, you know, my fast paced thinking brain just doesn't let me not think about the differences and, and the grieving of, of, of that old self or, or the, the uh, parallel universe, you know, somewhere out there where that stuff didn't happen to me. And maybe all these tragic other things happen instead. Or maybe, you know, good things happen instead that I could still benefit from in this, in this life here right now. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. So when people say grief, when we talk about grief, when we think about grief, that's what I think about. That's the baggage I carry from my experiences of what happened to me. I've tried a lot of different ways of, of medicating it and, and talking it out and uh, hugging it out. And, and, and I, I've tried so many different ways of consoling myself for all the grief that I feel constantly. I'm constantly now, finally, all these years later, feeling like I'm on the cusp of actually successfully consoling it. Maybe, hopefully. In, in the healthiest way that I've ever done it. I know I'm speaking in really vague terms and stuff. I just, I just honestly, what I want to sort of get to here at the end of this is just that I'm so grateful to be here. While I feel this grief all the time, I also feel this gratitude. If you have gotten this far in the podcast and you're still listening, first of all, I want, if you are still listening to this right now, I want you to message me right now. I want you to push pause or keep it playing in your podcast or whatever. And I want you to find a way to message me, whether it's on social media or you you got my info, message me. I want to know that you listen to this. Seriously, it will help me. But what I finally want to get to here is gratitude. I feel it in my bones. I feel the grief, yes, all the time, yes. But I feel gratitude. Gratitude. I feel these huge, huge moments of gratitude now that I never would have paid attention to had what happened to me never happened. I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. That's something that people go their whole lives without. And some of you know what I mean by that. Some of you are like, people are like, oh shit, that's me. Um, for real. People go their whole lives without it. People go their whole lives not even realizing that they're going their whole lives without it. But gratitude, gratitude. I kneel at the altar of gratitude now. It is the only region, religion, sorry. It's the only religion that I truly, like, truly know and believe in. I'm there for it. I am at the altar of gratitude. I had, I was brought to tears one morning having oatmeal. Oatmeal. There's nothing that I could point to as the reason for why I was like, crying in the dimly lit dining area before work <laughs> while I was eating oatmeal before I like hopped in the shower and got ready for work. It's crazy what gratitude can do for you. It makes you appreciate the bad shit that's happening to you. But I wouldn't have it if I hadn't gone through those traumatic experiences. And 
I want to be careful because I never want to shine too positive of a light on what happened to me because what happened to me was harsh and traumatic and wrong and 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 was bad. I don't want to glorify it like it was somehow the best thing that ever happened to me or something like that because it was bad and traumatic and there are aspects of it that I will never recover from but there are one or two good things to come out of it and one of them is gratitude so if you're still here thank you for listening I still don't entirely know what this podcast is other than just me talking my insane neuroses out but hey if you're still listening let me know about it reach out to me tell me you're listening tell me what parts of it that you just can't listen to anymore that is so sad that you can't listen to anymore <laughs> just let me know now i i do believe it or not i do want to tackle happier topics i do have happy thoughts i don't want you to think that like i just think about like race issues from a week ago and uh grief all the time i have a lot more stuff that um i want to talk to you guys about so i hope you're still here because you're good company <laughs>